Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. All right, Ville Church. Ville Church, everybody, let's have a seat. Let's get started this morning. Well, my people to howl on all the other people. Can we get a howl real quick on the count of three? One, two, three. There you go. There you go. Anna Duval. Anna Duval. Anna Duval. How's everybody doing this morning? Good? Can y'all hear me okay? All right. I feel like I'm like echo up in here, whatever. You know what I'm saying? So. I'm glad to have y'all here this morning. My name is Pastor Jay Harris, if this is your first time here. um, If you heard I was ugly, I'm way uglier than you ever imagined, all right? Sorry to disappoint you. And I got my Kidsville shirt on today. Where my Kidsville people at? I got a little haterism earlier. Somebody was like, yo, why you always got Kidsville on? What about the Connect team and, and the other teams, whatever? Starting a little division in the church, you know? All right, so... We are in the middle of a sermon series um, that is about this book that we're doing for discipleship called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, right? Anybody started on their books yet? Yeah? All right. All right. I want to see more hands. We still got a good amount of people. Hey, fellas, y'all hit the clock for me in the back. Y'all hit the clock for me in the back. Make sure we're good to go. All right. So we're in this book, um, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Um, last week we were discussing, we we're like diagnosing the, uh, the problem, right? Like what are the, the top 10 symptoms of unhealthy emotional spirituality was the conversation we were having. having. And so last week we did the first five. This week I'm going to hit the next five, right? So I want to encourage you first before we jump into it, right? Because the reason I'm going to encourage you is this right here. Because as I've been working on this like text, like... How many people know the truth hurts sometimes? Like that thing hurts a little bit, right? So like, this is literally like, you know, this is just, we're talking about symptoms. We're going through a list. And I swear to you, like, you know, every time I hit something on the list, I'm just like, okay, all right, all right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like I'm just getting broken and more broken and more broken as I go through the list. I'm like, God, I need your help right now. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Like. But what's really amazing about it is that, like, as I'm reading this text and I'm studying this text, I just feel like God is just, like, calling me into truth on a whole nother level. Like, he's, like, walking the light. Like, the word says, if you say you're not a sinner, then you're a liar, right? It says that in John. It says, but if you actually walk into the light, right, that means that you bring your sins into light. He's like, the blood of Jesus has it. So, like, if you're a believer today, you're in great shape. Like, we actually, our inheritance is that we actually get to walk in the light, where people have to run and hide from God and defend themselves and say, no, no, that's not me. We get to say, that's me. I'm guilty as charged, but thank you because of the blood of Jesus. Does that make sense? So, like, I want you to be encouraged today as we get in these things or whatever, because, you know, I'm going to be reading some things or whatever, and you're going to be like, okay, you know what I'm saying? It's going to hurt a little bit, you know, and all that. And then you're going to drift off in the sermon. You'll be like... I'm not defensive. Am I defensive? Is this me defending myself right now? And like, you're going to go into all type of crazy places, but I just want you to know, like, it's okay. Like, it's all right. You don't lose not one single step, like, because of the blood of Jesus. That's your righteousness. So you can be like, you could be guilty of everything I say. Y'all with me? All right. Another thing, too, I want you to know is this right here. Jesus actually pursues you as is. He died for you as is, right? So like, um, a couple months ago, I bought this Saturn. Some of y'all might have saw it parked. It was in front of the old church. Did anybody see that Saturn at all? Anyway, I bought it. It broke down in front of the church. You know what I'm saying? But that's why I was at the church, parked for a couple of days. Anyway, I bought it as is. And of course, I saw my wife, and she was like, what kind of stupid junk have you bought again? All right? She's like, what, 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 what have you bought again? Like, what, what you? And so anyway, I was like, no, babe, I'm going to fix this thing up or whatever. I'm going to flip it, see the rims. I'm going to polish them up a little bit, put a little armor on, like this thing right here. I was like, check out the leather inside and all that. And she was just like, Jay, this is a piece of junk, right? 
sure enough, like triple the, the cost of the car down the road. I just had to just let it go for nothing and take a loss on it, all right? I bought it as is. It was not a good investment. But Christ actually steps into our life as is. That's the, like the good news. This is the, this is the exclamation point I want, I want to give to you this morning. Where you are, your worst moment, your worst day, that moment when you feel like, I'm a wreck, I suck so bad, when you're in the filth of your sin, Christ is like, I'm right here with you in this moment. Right? Or if you can't see it like that, think about this. The person you have the most beef with, that you just feel like is the worst, Christ actually died for them as is, where they are at. You get where I'm coming from? So like this isn't a story of like, am I, like where it's like, you're trying not to step on the landmines, and like you're trying to be good, like oh man, I got, I'm not messed up like that. Like it's okay to be just a complete wreck because God is with you as you are. He died on the cross with you as you are, and he actually is with you every single day in your life as you are, right? Walking with you, loving you in the process. So we get to walk in the, we get to dance in the light. Y'all get where I'm coming from? All right, Ephesians 2, I wanna read this scripture to you really fast. Before I get into, I want to recap last week's top five really fast. So it's Ephesians 2. It says this, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions, passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, look at that, made us alive together with Christ. By, by grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You with me? It's the good news right there. We are his workmanship, right? So like, I abandoned my little black, you know, Saturn or whatever, but Jesus would have been like, yeah, I'm going to get this thing right. That's how he's in your life right now, all right? Let's pray real fast before we get it going. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this day. God, we thank you for the freedom um, to come before you in truth, that our inheritance is truth, that you are truth, that you call your children to walk in the truth. Um, God, we thank you for the season we're in as a church where you, um, you have us, you know, doing discipleship. You have us dealing with the deep glaciers of the heart that lie underneath the surface, Father Lord that deal with our emotions, the things that work behind the scenes or up under the surface so many times to cause problems above the surface, and we don't know how to always bring the gospel to that thing and deal with it. We know the goodness of the gospel, but why are we so broken and why are we so hurt inside and why are relationships so hard? Why does our pride seem to get the best of us? Why does our anger rip up so many beautiful things you put in front of us? Um, God, we want to we, we, we open the door and let you get into um, those places, Father Lord, that we've blocked off. Um, and we want to walk into the light with them. So we pray that you, you bless us with that this morning, Father Lord, that you work through these words. Um, you help me to preach your truth um, and, and not our own, Father Lord. We pray that you be glorified this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so... <coughs> Top 10 symptoms, right, of unhealthy emotional spirituality. I'm going to recap the last five from last week and try to go through this really quickly. Um, so the first one was using God to run from God, right? And so the idea is that you create like a, 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 a big deal of God activity but ignore difficult areas in your life that God wants to change, right? So that's using God to actually run from God. And so last week I actually spared you from this list. Um, of things that are examples about, you know, running from God, but I'm going to give it to you right now or whatever. So we can just start off with a, a nice, healthy helping of pain this morning, all right? Y'all ready? All right, so it says, when I do God's work to satisfy me, not him, all right? You don't have to say amen out loud. Just keep it to yourself and just be like, mm, mm, 
All right? So when I do things in his name, he never asked me to do. When my prayers are really about God doing my will, not my surrendering to his. When I demonstrate Christian behavior so significant people think well of me. When I focus on certain theological points um, every, um, that are more about my own fears and unresolved issues than concern for God's truth. When I use his truth to judge and devalue others. When I exaggerate my accomplishments for God to subtly compete with others. When I pronounce, the Lord told me I should do this, when the truth is, I think the Lord told me to do this. When I use scripture to justify the sinful parts of my family, culture, and nation instead of evaluating them under his lordship. When I hide behind God talk, deflecting any spotlight on my inner cracks and becoming defensive in my, about my failures. When I apply biblical truth selectively when it suits my purposes but avoids situations that require me, require me to make significant life changes. So that is using God to run from God. How y'all doing so far? Everybody good? All right, okay. All right, number two was ignoring anger, sadness, and fear. So we're pretty much just talking about hop skipping around, um, dealing with emotions like they're actually a sin and like spiritualizing it in a way where it's like we're just not actually dealing with them at all, right? Even though in the Bible we see that Christ models this, like he, he talks about anger. He says, you know, be angry, but don't sin. We see him in sadness. We see him dealing with sorrow. We see him dealing with grief. He wept, right? And so he, God wants to meet us in these emotions, right? So, but we often ignore or we uh, minimize them um, or, or, or we just avoid them altogether. And so we want to know how to actually go deeper. So ignoring our emotions is definitely an example of unhealthy spirituality, right? Dying to the wrong things, right? It's like an attempt to please God through our works. We end up actually um, killing off the wrong things in life, right? So it's like um, it could be, you know, you may have something that you've just been dreaming of all your life, but it's like, you know, I just want to serve the Lord. So you just start kind of Xing off everything about yourself, right? And some of the things are actually good things that God put in your heart, called you to, that he's going to actually use. You understand what I'm saying? You may be an artist, but you may hyper-spiritualize it and say, I don't have time to paint because I'm doing work for the Lord, and completely missing that God actually gifted you with this thing to glorify him. Y'all get where I'm coming from? So these are, these are unhealthy signs. Another one is denying the past impact on the present. It's when you, like any other human, have gone through hard things in life, maybe experienced some trauma, maybe some things as a kid that still in your life is operating. It's like a computer program, you know what I'm saying, that is just doing its number on your computer and you think everything's all good or whatever, but like it's still doing damage behind the scenes. And when we deny it and we won't address past impacts. Y'all with me? All right. And the dividing our lives into secular and sacred compartments, right? Y'all remember the movie Dirty Dancing, Nobody Sits Baby in the Corner? It's like we wake up in the morning, we pray, we spend time with the Lord, and then we sit him in the corner. Like, I'm off to work now. My, your whole, our whole life is kind of where we, we, do the, we do the Jesus thing at certain points, but then other times of our life, we completely leave him behind. He's not involved in any decision-making, anything involved in our life. It's like we have him restricted. We have him, we're trying to sit baby in the corner. Y'all with me? All right. So, that's our, our five from last week. All right? Are y'all in pain? Because I'm in pain a little bit this morning. All right? Every time I go through these, a little bit of my soul breaks a little bit. So you're going to keep me hearing me jump back to the gospel. I'm trying to massage the pain out like, Jesus, I need you, all right? So top of the list for this week, number six, doing for God instead of being with God. Doing for God instead of being with God. I want to read a scripture to you really quick. This is Luke 10. We're going to do 38 through 42 if you want to follow along on your phones or in your Bible, however you're rolling. But it says, it says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered the village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. What was she distracted with? There you go, all right. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. I can't imagine saying that to the Lord, but anyway, all right. So Martha's a little bit gangster or whatever, right? So 
but her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her, right? So Martha is masking over what's really going on with her with this busyness and these many things. Y'all get where I'm coming from, right? Any of y'all ever do that? You ever like just have this anxious thing and you just like have to keep doing something because you can't like sit still and just be with God? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Please don't tell me, God, I'm like, cause I'm like, I'm going to see Dr. Oz if y'all don't agree with me. Cause I'm like, I get caught up in this all the time. Y'all get where I'm coming? Like, I'm just like, I can't, I want to rest, but I can't literally rest. Well, Martha is guilty of this same exact thing. You know, what's crazy about it is if Martha and Mary were actually to have a dispute, like say like, you know, she didn't bring it to Jesus, but she tapped Mary in the back and like it turned into some beef or whatever, right? They would actually be fighting over her not helping her. But the issue is not even about her not helping her, right? It says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. The thing is not about her helping clean up. You get where I'm coming from? I just want to use this as an example because when we talk about this glacier, right? Like normally when you see a glacier, 90% of it is really up under the surface, right? So like Martha's dealing with the, the top piece that's just above the water. But Jesus is like, nah, you're anxious and you're troubled about many things. You got a lot going on and you're covering it with busyness to not stop and deal with it, right? So God wants to step into that. That's just one of the, that's one of the symptoms of unhealthy emotional spirituality, right? It, it, I find myself in this place, but it, it makes me ask the question, do I trust God? Because if I trust God, then I'll stop and slow down and be with him if I believe he's all that he says he is, right? If I believe that he's going to handle it, like, it would actually cause me to, like, stop and be with him. I read the scripture last week. It's Jeremiah 17, 7 through 9. I'm going to read it to you really fast. It says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, who, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by the water. This is talking about proximity with the Father, right? Like, we would stay close to him if we trusted that he's really gentle, loving, and he's going to step in all of our situations, precede us, be a light into our steps, into our path, right? It says, he is like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when he comes for it leaves, for its leaves remain green and it's not anxious. There's that word again, in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? We end up doing for God instead of being with God. And it really points directly at the part of, do we really trust him? Do we really believe that he's the king of kings, lord of lords, that he is in all of our situations? Do we believe that he really, really cares about the mess, so to speak, as Martha's saying? God, everything is a mess around here and she won't help me, right? Can we actually let go of what seems like a mess to stop and be with the Father because we know that he has it, right? Or that we know that we find our values actually in him and not in getting the mess together. Do y'all get where I'm coming from? All right. Let's keep, on, let's keep on working through it. Next one is number seven, spiritualizing away conflict. Speeder, uh, Peter Scazzaro, I said speeder. It's crazy how the mind does that. Peter Scazzaro, he says that the belief that smoothing over disagreements or sweeping them under the rug is to follow Jesus continues to be one of the worst destructive myths alive in the church today. For this reason, churches, small groups, ministry teams, denominations, and communities continue to experience the pain of unresolved conflicts. How many of y'all hate conflict? I don't like conflict. I'm gonna just keep it real with you. Like, I just don't. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, pre-Jesus, I could lose my temper and just go crazy anywhere. But then over time, I just realized that was like, that was really a, a really sucker way to deal with stuff. Like, that's not, it's not handling stuff. 
and like actually handling conflicts and stuff or whatever is like, I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm so ashamed of how it breaks me down to my knees sometimes. Like, God, I need you to do this or whatever, right? But like when I was going through this particular um, section, I was just like, Lord, oh Lord, help me out. Anyway, I'm gonna take y'all through it, all right? Conflict cannot be avoided in this world. The Christian life is not everything will be all good and now you'll never have conflicts anymore. That is not what it actually is. It's, it's not even close to that whatsoever. Actually, it will pull you into more conflict than you've ever dealt with in your whole entire life, right? Because it gives you a purpose that you have to submit to, so you deal with conflict within your own self, and it gives you purpose in the context God has called you into, so you deal with conflict. You can't avoid it. But besides that, we have conflict with spouses, with our kids, job, mom, dad, bosses, co-workers, all of that. Conflict is all around us all the time, right? And when it's, held, when it's handled in a healthy way, it's actually pretty expedient or whatever, right? Like, some really good stuff can come out of a conflict and a disagreement. If we can handle it in a healthy way, figure out what we're both saying, oh, man, you actually said some really great stuff and taught me something that I need to know about myself. Man, you just made me better, and then, boom, let's move forward. You get where I'm coming from? It can go crazy, but a lot, it can go in a lot of great ways, but a lot of times we don't think that people can handle the conversation, and we don't think that we can handle the conversation. I'm going to be honest with you. I've, like, worked through some situations with people, conflicts, and I would actually tell you that they were a success. And I started reading this section, and the first thing in my mind, I was like, nah, you ain't handle that situation. You figure out a way to kind of smooth the tension over on each side or whatever to keep the peace and all that stuff or whatever, but, like, you didn't handle that situation. You were skipping and jumping. But why would I do that? Like, why would I actually not go straight in and deal with the truth. Because I don't think the people can either handle it, or I can't handle it, or maybe I have something to lose if it goes bad, right? But what it says at the end of the day, it says that I don't really trust God to do what he's gonna do, right? It pulls God down and makes him really, really small. It makes me run from God and run to myself to resolve the situation, right? So the conflict's not the issue, it's just life. Let me read a scripture to you real quick. This is Matthew 18, 15. It says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you, excuse me, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. It's pretty cut and dry. Does it actually work like that all the time? Does it always pan out that easy, right? It like, it doesn't always go that way. But here's the thing. I want to read um, another one of these lists that... Um, you know, to gut you really quick, gut at me. But this is just some of the ways that we avoid handling conflict, right? Um, we say one thing to people's face and then another thing behind their backs. Just don't make eye contact with people while I'm reading the list, all right? All right? If you feel guilty, just don't say nothing. Just, like, look down, like, whatever, like, you know? Act like you got something in your eye. Whatever, right? We make promises we have no intention of keeping. We blame, we attack, we give people the silent treatment. We become sarcastic. We give in because we are afraid of not being liked. We leak our anger by sending an email containing a not so subtle criticism. Tell only half the truth because we can't bear to hurt a friend's feelings. We say yes when we mean no. We avoid and withdraw and cut off. Find an outside person with whom we can share in order to ease our anxiety. That last one killed me right there. I was like, I'm like, dang. But this is, this stuff is real. It's heavy because this is the stuff that crumbles churches, right? I'm making light of it, but it's actually like really, really dark. It grieves the Father's heart in a huge way. And it is one of the definite symptoms of unhealthy emotional spirituality. 
right? Let's look at something else. Forgot what number I'm on. I'm thinking I'm on number eight, right? Covering our broken, our brokenness, our weakness, and our failure. Somewhere along the way, we kind of fell for this story where we believe that um, being broken and, and, and being weak is, is weak, right? It's not the, you know, everything in America, like media pushes heroes to us, right? And so even in the church, we've, we contend with this hero complex even as Christians, where like the gospel lays all of us on the floor helpless, and God actually respects and esteems when we are like worms without arms, no way to fight back, right? I believe it's in Isaiah when he's talking to his people and he refers to them as worms. He's like, yeah, you worms, you know? That's, it's different, but he's like, yeah, you worms. Like, I'm about to come crush your enemy. Like, you're armless and you need me and I love it because I'm about to show you that daddy's the boss in town. You get where I'm coming from? So God esteems that. He esteems a contrite, broken heart. But that's not cool to be broken and to be weak, right? But even when we look in the Bible, right? I'm reading this from page 33 of the Emotional Healthy uh, Spirituality, right? It says, the Bible does not spin the flaws and weakness of its heroes. Moses was a murderer. Hosea's wife was a prostitute. Peter rebuked God. Noah got drunk. Jonah was a racist. Jacob was a liar. John Mark deserted Paul. Elijah burned out. Jeremiah was depressed and suicidal. Thomas doubted. Moses had a temper. Timothy had ulcers. Y'all had to get on Timothy. Anyway, all right, I'll come back to later. Anyway, and all these people send the same message, that every human being on earth, regardless of their gifts and strengths, is weak, vulnerable, and dependent on God and others. I tell you this all the time. It's not about us being heroes. It's about Jesus, right? It's about Jesus. You look in the Word or whatever, like we've talked about, we've been hitting it the past couple of weeks. You see David, the almighty king, and then you see him falling with Bathsheba and killing Uriah, the Hittite, right? None of these stories are going to talk of a hero in the Bible. Look at these are, these are our patriarchs that we just ran through this list with. They're a mess. So like when we fall for this story that we are like actually going to be these like Christian heroes and like killing it and we refuse to be broken or whatever, we're actually lying to ourselves, we're lying to God, we're lying to everybody, but we're also trying to perpetuate a story that actually props us up and not the Father. Do you get where I'm coming from? Not Jesus at all. We're like trying to tell a story that like we're winning and we're killing it. Right? It is what it is. It's what our flesh does. Like, I love social media. I love, like, I love using Instagram, all these different things, like, to, 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 like, to, like, put my family on there. And, like, I go and I look at it and I scroll through it or whatever. But, like, man, you think that a brother's, like, super dad. I ain't, I ain't upload the, 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 the video where I'm in the corner just crying, like, Y'all saw Lana, I don't know if you saw it, Lana was leaving the house the other night. And I was like, babe, I got it, let's go ahead, you good, we good? I closed the door and I was like. <laughs> the ugly cry, like. <laughs> They're like, daddy, daddy, ask me, I was just like. <laughs> like, no joke, I came in, I just sat on the couch, I was like. Help me. I ain't Instagram that one. That didn't make it, that didn't make the cut. But straight up and down, there's no heroes. There's no heroes. It doesn't work like that at all. Psalms 51 says this. It says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Even when we look at Peter, his bravado, right, and his toughness, it was a cover for his weakness and his brokenness, right? God loved him so much, God had to break that. He had to break the lie, Right? And I want you to find this as an encouragement. Listen to what God still says to fully aware. He's sitting there arm wrestling with Peter's arrogance. Peter will not be broken. He will not be weak. He will not be a failure. He relies on his strength. Lord, I'm ride or die. I'm with you till the wheels fall off. And Jesus is like, you are not that guy, homeboy. 
He, he, he keeps telling lies about, I'm loyal, I'm down to the, to the man, I swear, Jesus, anybody, I got you. Jesus is like, no, you, you're not that guy. And Jesus is suffering it, right? Matthew 13, he says this right here. He says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what do people say that this, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but do you, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged his disciples to no one, to tell no one that he was the Christ. So he's telling Peter, who's a mess, that on this rock I will build my church. This is what I was saying to you earlier, like Christ is in the mess with you, right? He died for you like already knowing where you were actually at. He already saw your worst days coming, and he still died for you. He still has a plan for you, right? So God's still moving forward with what he has planned for Peter despite Peter. Do you understand where I'm coming from? This is why we get to actually walk into the light because it doesn't move where we stand with God. The blood of Jesus is what gives us our value. Do y'all get where I'm coming from? Yeah, all right. But he tells this to Peter right? He tells that to Peter. He's like, Peter, I will build my church despite Peter. It's good stuff. The next paragraph in the Bible, he tells, the, he tells Peter, get behind me, Satan. All right? It's complicated, man. This is not about your faithfulness and how good you are. All right? We're schizo in our faith, to say the least, right? Um, but Christ is, he's set, he's gentle, and he's kind, and he's patient, and he is not going to leave Peter, despite Peter is going to deny him three times, he's not going to leave Peter at all, right, he's actually in this story to address Peter's brokenness, weakness, and his failure, because God has a plan, right, for Peter, y'all with me, all right, Read something else to you real quick. 2 Corinthians 12, six, uh, verse 6, it says this. It says, Though if I should, should wish to boast, this is Paul talking, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Listen to this next line, everybody. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Mm. His power is made perfect in weakness. If that is not a reason for us to actually put our hands down and start, stop fighting, deflecting, but accepting our brokenness and our weakness and our failures to have Christ stepped into us and magnify his power through him. I don't know what else is, right? He's good, he's gentle, he loves us. He wants to get it in with us. But let's be honest, right? This is one of the symptoms, covering the brokenness, brokenness, the weakness in our failures. We don't want to miss the inheritance we have for God to step into that. Another thing, this is number nine, I believe we're on now, living without limits. Any of y'all ever said, I'll sleep when I die? I've said that a million times. Like, I'm so, like, I read this, I was like, oh my God. Like, this is, I, I was gonna get this tatted across my chest a couple times. Like, 
this is like, this is the slogan, right? This is like, this is it. This is how we roll. I'm like, yeah, I'll sleep when I die, baby. When I get to heaven, I'll rest, you know? And it almost killed me, for real. You know, I was talking to one of my friends, um, a really, really uh, wealthy friend of mine. I walked up on him the other day, and he, it was crazy because he actually had the emotional, uh, emotionally healthy spirituality book in front of him, right? And I was like, man, what's up? What's going on? What you doing with that and stuff? And so um, when I tell you this, this guy got some paper, he got some paper. Like, he got whatever kind of money you're thinking about, just round it up. His money is crazy or whatever, right? But one of the things he was talking to me about was he was reading the book because he was, like, I know some of the, the people who have mentored him and roll around them, right? And he said, uh, he said, all these guys who have kind of led me, he said, they're chasing this money hard. He said, they're like, he said, but all I, I look around and they got the money, but like they've sacrificed so much chasing it. And he was like, I don't buy it anymore and I'm trying to stop before the shipwrecks, right? So he was like, he was getting in the book that we're about to do discipleship through, which I thought was absolutely amazing. He was just like, he was like, I don't want to trade everything for this. It's like my body, my mind can't sustain this, right? We're taught to lay our lives down for others to sacrifice them, which is not wrong. It's not unbiblical. But we lose balance of what it looks like to love ourselves in the process, right? Like self-care. Like we actually start thinking of the statement as some type of um, some new, um, new age humanistic kind of fad. Self-care. Just selfish, man. You know what I'm saying? Like that's how we actually look at it. But statistically, if we look at the church and we look at the burnout with pastors, with different people, and I'm not throwing jabs at anybody. I'm like two inches away from it, right? I had to take a break this week because I was just like, my wife was like, baby, you good? You know what I'm saying? Like, she's like, can you change the pamper for I was trying to put a pamper on her. I'm losing it. I'm like, you know, what's the way the wife's at, boo? Like, you know, I'm like, I'm literally going to pieces with it. So I just, what we're teaching is, a good, is good news for everybody. Leadership on down. It's for our whole church. But living without limits. We end up overextending ourselves, right? And then we also live with this, this constant guilt of never doing enough. So we end up on this treadmill that's really more about other people's opinions than it is about hearing from the Lord and doing what the Father wants us to do. So when we talk about that tree planted by the water, we don't end up planted by the water. We end up planting away, away from the water not having closeness with God, not in proximity with the Father. So what actually keeps us running is actually other people's opinions and pleasing other people. I have to ask myself often, like, I get so many texts that you, it, it's absolutely crazy, right? And sometimes I literally have to ask myself when I'm going to respond to texts, I'm like, why are you responding to this right now? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like you and your kids are like talking about like soccer or something. And I have to evaluate it. Because like by nature, like I'm a people pleaser. So like I'll try to get to it all. So I'm having to put like literal steps where I just ask myself the question like, what's your purpose for doing this right now? This person's not gonna die if you don't respond with this right now. Do you get where I'm coming from? What I'm trying to tell you is that like I'm horrible at this. Like I'm horrible, I'm horrible at this or whatever. So like I need like step by step, like God help me. Cause I'm a burnout. This is what I do. I'm a burnout. I know how to run really, really hard, but like I'm only human. I'll die. You understand what I'm saying? It's an unhealthy symptom all day long. Guilty as charged. I'm going to get my I'll sleep when I die tattoo removed and all that. I got it across the small of my back. I'm just playing. I'm just playing, y'all. That's just, just a joke. All right. All right, we're the last one. Y'all ready? It's judging other people's spiritual journey. Judging other people's spiritual journey. 
Is it me or does it seem like people are just like a pack of wolves ready to pounce on people all the time on like Facebook, anything? You can't even like put a scripture or whatever. You'd be like, God is good. Thank you, Lord. I just love you so much for just being a blessing. The Greek root of blessing is, is, is you know, like, if you just like, like, yo, can I just wake up and thank God or whatever? Like, you can't, you can't win today, right? Like, people are always like, they, they locked and loaded. But like judging people hurts us so bad, right? It makes us miss everything that's truly important. Like you, you ever, you ever, you ever try to like slow someone down when they're kind of tearing into somebody else, like real good, and you're like, yeah, you know. But like maybe and give them another perspective, but they just like, they just won't have it. You feel what I'm saying? Like it's like they're on they're on blood mode, right? Maybe you've been with me and it was me. I don't know, right? But like. You know that feeling, you're like, you, you found somebody who's an ear to let it out on and you just like let, giving it to them. You ever like heard people like tear other people apart and you just kind of hear it, but then like now you don't kind of mess with them or whatever because you're like, I can't live up to whatever standard they got going on, so I'm gonna have to keep a distance because like now I see they will eat you alive. You ever like, you know what I'm saying? Or maybe that's you. It's been me at times, straight up and down. I've had to fall on my knees plenty of times for gossiping, for being so angry that I felt my anger was just like, I felt it was warranted to be able to like go in on somebody. You get where I'm coming from? They violate, like, who could hold this? I gotta let it spill out. You ever been there? I remember not too long ago, I was, at a, I was at one of my friend's funerals, right? Really close friend. It's last year sometime. And I remember, um, like, you know, I'm there, like, whatever. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just like a river of tears is flowing. Like, it's, everybody's crying crazy hard, and we're going in the church. And I, and, I, and I remember getting to the door, and the lady at the door, when we were, like, you know, all going in, says... I can't believe this girl is here with this dress on. Like, you know, she just starts going in or whatever. She's like, this girl know this dress is tight. Oh, my Lord, have this. I don't think she can breathe. And she's like, I'm like sitting there crying. I'm like, and like she's trying to have this conversation about this young lady's dress. And I just was thinking to myself, right? And so here's the thing. And even after that, when we get up to, to speak, because I'm like, I'm, I'm facilitating everything or whatever, This lady comes and she speaks, and the, and the message she gave was so judgmental to the point like people were apologizing to me afterwards, right? It was just like grievous to kind of hear. And I remember just going home thinking to myself like, man, like we got a room full of people that have like never heard the gospel. Like, like, and, 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 and it just got beat up with do more, be better. Being judgmental causes us to miss so much. It causes us to miss all of the stuff we're supposed to be catching, right? You think about David after his fall. You think about Peter after wallowing in the shame and finding out he isn't the person who he is. You think about the disciples who are fussing over who's going to be boss and, and be the top of the pyramid and all this stuff or whatever. Like, like ends up being pride, right? Ends up being pride. And the thing is this right here. If you don't find your value in Jesus Christ, you will have to judge others to establish your value. There's nowhere else to get it from. If it's not in Christ Jesus, then you have to look at people and just start sizing them up, right? It's the way classism works, right? 
It's just a classism of the heart or whatever the case may be. It's the same old ugly thing. To feel better about myself, I have to be like, I'm not like that though. And now I feel actually good about myself. I feel like I'm winning. It turns the light from Jesus Christ to ourselves and we become the judge. But here's the thing. It puts us in jeopardy because the Bible says, you know, that, that, that judgment you pour out is going to come back to you. It puts, us, it puts us in a bad place with the Father. It puts us in a really, a really ugly jam, all right? Luke says, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her, right? Luke 6, 31 through 36, and I'm about to wrap up in a second. And y'all can come up. Um, says, do to others as you would have them to do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Let me just, let me hit, let me hit that for you really quick. It says, he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. He does a thing where, where you have the disciples fighting to be the top of the pyramid. He flips the pyramid down and he's like, the leader is actually going to be at the bottom like, of the pyramid. Like, we don't function like the world. This isn't about you being lifted up high and mighty and everything. You actually are going to be the biggest servant of all, right? So when you're actually concentrating on washing people's feet, you don't have time to judge them, right? That's a different type of work and a different type of rhythm. So, so, so the way we actually respond to what God has called us to do has a lot to actually, like, if you see yourself as somebody who's called to, like, lord over people, or as he says, like the Gentiles do, or whatever, like they lord over people, if that is actually what leadership is for you, if that's what relationship is for you, then of course you actually judge, because you're establishing a hierarchy for yourself. But if you go the way of the kingdom, how do you have time to judge them when you see yourself as the bottom of it? You get where I'm coming from? When you're a servant to all. Judging other people's spiritual journey is not the move. It's not what he's called us to do. It is a symptom of being unhealthy. And it's a symptom of being unhealthy, if I could just, just, just make it easy for you. The reason it's a symptom is because it means that we've turned our, our eyes off of the Father and our closeness with him, what he's called us to do, and we've turned it into something else where we're actually, we've, we've, we've tucked them in the corner so we can be the king of the castle, right? And we can rule and reign ourselves. Does that make sense, y'all? This, this is a, man, this stuff is, um, it's heavy and it's hard and it doesn't feel like fun church, like, to like go through these things. But like, we've been working through this for a minute, me and Pastor Rodney and, um, and, and just staff and everybody else or whatever. And like, when I say like working through it, I don't mean like just working through it, like always oh, setting up the classes and everything else. We've been doing that, but like, there's no way to touch this stuff without it like searing your heart. You get where I'm coming from? And like, I woke up this morning, I was telling uh, Pastor Rodney up in the office, like I woke up this morning I had the windows down on the way to church, and I just was like, I felt so good. I, I almost took my hat off to let my hair blow in the wind. <laughs> almost. But here's the thing. I wasn't happy because like, I felt like, yo, like I'm killing it or something like that. I was happy because I was just like, God, I am a million times worse than I thought I was. My condition is dire. And like, I need you. But like, the reason I was like smiling or whatever, like, because I was like, man, you're actually like with me. Like, you're close to me in the middle of this, in the middle of me like stepping into this truth, right? 
But believe me, there's churches that don't want to teach on this book because it's like a thing will have you somewhere balled up somewhere, right? People don't want to deal with emotions and what's really, really wrong, what's really, really broken. We don't want to get under the surface. But like, I just want you to be encouraged, church, like, number one, Jesus is our righteousness, so you have the freedom to do it. And if you keep moving forward and keep, keep walking in what he's calling us into, you're going to be laughing about it. Even when you're, you're going to be laughing and crying at the same time. But it's going to be a sweet thing, all right? So I want to just encourage you in it. Let's pray really quick. Thank you, Father, Lord. God, we just give you praise. We give you thanks, Father. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy and your love, Father, Lord, and your faithfulness. And God, we thank you for, um, we thank you that we're able to, just as a church, come and declare your word. Um, God, you're so good to us. I thank you, Father, Lord, that we can tell the truth this morning. We can let it hurt. And we can know that, Father, Lord, we don't lose not one single step with you. That we were saved by grace. That despite our trespasses and our sins, Father, Lord, you laid on the cross fully knowing who we really are. You knew what was up under the surface. So, God, I pray for our church, Father, Lord. I pray for our church, Lord, that we would... Um, be lavished in your freedom, in your goodness, Father Lord, in your mercy, in your grace, in your love for us. I pray, Father Lord, that we will all get filled to the point that we're about to explode with it. Um, I come against this fear and lies the enemy would tell people and saying, oh, you're going to get exposed and people are not going to think that you're all perfect. Guess what? We all know nobody's perfect up in here. But God, we need you. We need you. We need you to do a work in our hearts beyond just lip service, Father Lord, but like we need you to do a work in our hearts supernaturally. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus, Father. God, we pray for anybody who's here this morning that doesn't know you, Lord. pray, Father, Lord, that you would do what only you can do, that you would draw them, Father. I thank you for everybody in this room, Lord. I thank you for um, this season, this moment. Thank you for truth. I pray that it's restful for people to draw near and rest in you and get off the treadmill that life tries to put us in so often. Pray that for myself, for my family. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.